Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Connor Dolson, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. And I just arrived to Stockholm from Dubai, where we have been hosting a series of talks during Space Week at the Swedish Pavilion during Expo 2020 Dubai. Today we're going to listen to a panel from Space Week Grand Opening, where astronaut Christer Fugelsang, program manager Cecilia Hatch, and Warp Institute founder Matthias Sundin talks about how space technologies can help advance sustainability efforts here on Earth. This conversation is a part of Changemakers, a series of podcasts, panel talks and live interviews produced in collaboration with the Swedish participation at Expo 2020 in Dubai. Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to stay updated on the latest news and learn about upcoming talks and events. Visit scandinaviannmind.com newsletter. Here now, the Space Week panel with Christer Fugelsang, Cecilia Hatch and Montias Sundin. Enjoy. Welcome now to our next segment here at the Space Week Grand Opening in the Swedish Pavilion at Expo 2020 Dubai. I'm here, of course, with Cecilia Hatch, founder of Umbilical Design and program manager of Space Week. Krister, we all know now very well. Thank you so much for inspiring talk. And we also have with us Matthias Sundin, founder of Warp Institute. And I, I thought since um, we haven't heard from you, Matthias, I start with you. Uh, we're going to talk here today, uh, continuing a little bit discussing what, what Christy was talking about, how space technologies can be good for us here down on Earth. So um, just for anyone who doesn't know about Warpen Institute, just give us a little bit of overview of what you do and why space is so important. So yeah, uh, thank you very much for um, having me here and uh, this uh, amazing Space Week. So uh, Warp Institute is a non-profit foundation um, founded by me and, and a few other uh, people. And part of the institute is the Warp Space Program. So space used to be for superpowers back in the 50s and 60s and, and then other nations. And then, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you had to be a billionaire uh, to do anything in space. Um, but now space is opening up for everyone. So we're building a, a, a global community of people that are enthusiastic for our future in space and want to help create that, not just watch other people do that, but also be part of creating that. So whoever you are, if you want to be an astronaut, if you're an engineer, the sort of traditional um, uh, skills you need to go to space, we're going to need a lot of those, but we're also going to need a lot of other kinds of people. Um, science fiction writers, we need music, we need maybe even lawyers and politicians uh, in space, uh, you know, all those kind of um, people. So that's, a, that's the community we're building. Okay, so let's start with a big question. Uh, and it's something that I know you guys who work with space, I'm sure you often hear this question, you know, with so many issues that we have down here on Earth, why focus so much energy and resources on space? Why space? What's your answer there, Matthias? So yeah, the, that's, the, that's the most common uh, question uh, around space. Uh, and sadly for everyone who's asking it, it's a false question. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's not a choice we have to make. Um, we need space to fix problems on Earth. We can't choose Earth or space. We need space to fix problems. Uh, 
on Earth. Um, uh, you, have, you, you mentioned satellite navigation um, and, and all the satellites um, going up there, and, and the launches are cheaper and cheaper, and the satellites are cheaper uh, and better. So we can use them for a number of things here. Uh, we're going to talk later about uh, poaching um, uh, rhinos. Uh, you poached a few rhinos to get here. Uh, to move them here. <laughs> I, I understand. That's now logged at, by a satellite, so we're going to hunt you down uh, for that. Uh, that's one thing. Um, uh, coral reefs. Uh, you, you can um, have uh, an overview of coral reefs and, and in real time see changes in, in coral reefs. Uh, so we need space to fix problems on Earth. So luckily we don't have to choose. We're going to talk about more examples. I just want to get into this sort of first obvious issue of infrastructure. And that's something that you're passionate about as well, Christel. Uh, what's the overview there? What, what are the ty different types of infrastructure uh, that we have use of here on Earth that, that comes from space? Well, you can put them particularly in three categories. Communication, navigation, and Earth's observation, including weather, satellites, and things like that. With navigation comes also another very important thing, that's actually time synchronization. So the same satellites we utilize to kind of navigate, they give a, the best time synchronization on Earth. And for good or bad, because we have all these very fairly cheap uh, assets in space, you kind of skip the old way of doing things. So you, you become a little bit vulnerable, though. So, so I mean, uh, th that, that's something which one also has to kind of keep in mind. Yes, we have to take care of those uh, assets we have up there because they're the cheapest ways for many things we can do on Earth. And this ties into something we're going to talk about in a couple of days, mm -hmm. Cecilia, with the, with the uh, space for wildlife. This is also about, obviously, monitoring what's happening down on Earth. We had a few examples in, in, in Christer's speech recently, mm -hmm. but... This is something you're passionate about as well. Yeah, indeed. And uh, that's why I love to <laughs> lift the work we do with the Peace Park Foundation. And that was since I learned that it's actually 55 elephants and three rhinos killed every day. So the last couple of two years, I've been working closely with Peace Park Foundation to now on the Space Week on October 19, we will have a program here on the scene uh, around space for, for wildlife and, of course, see how can the space sector contribute to stop poaching. And by doing that, we address not only one of the Agenda 2030 goals, but several of them. So it's, it's really everything is, um, how can I say, it's, it's so many things we address by, by this project and it will also be launching five-year initiative. Right, right. And Matthias, in terms of on the topic of, of infrastructure and all these things, what are some of the most exciting things happening right now, do you think, in this, in this uh, arena? I think the most uh, exciting thing is that uh, we have a lot of private initiatives and private capital and, and ideas and dreams coming into the space sector. Uh, the government has been very useful and, and in going to play a major role for many decades, uh, I believe. But it's now the amount of just capital coming in now from difference. And when you create business models, you have reoccurring capital. It's not just Jeff Bezos using his billions from Amazon funding that. SpaceX is building a business out of this uh, and funding uh, uh, a future colony on Mars uh, that way. And, and that's just two of the initiatives. There's many, there's thousands of initiatives um, out there. We're going to hear later from Tom and Tina with Python Space, uh, another uh, small um, small startup uh, in this, this field. That is possible now. Uh, it would have been 
impossible or nearly impossible to do for Tom and Tina to do uh, start a space company 20 years ago. Um, but now space is opening up for uh, for everyone really. So I, I think that is that is most uh, inspiring and interesting yeah. right now. Yeah. So, but you're all seeing that the private sector plays a huge role in, in sort of developing the, 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 the space sector. Are you seeing this as well, Krista? I mean, you've, you've, uh, I think you have the, mom with the most longest experience. Uh, you know, it's, I'm sure this has gone up and down uh, during your years. How do you see it? Where are we right now? Well, we're on the edge to where we need to be. I mean, if you are convinced, like <coughs> me and many others here, that space is the future for humanity, Mm -hmm. uh, you have to find ways to kind of economically sustain it. Uh, so it's no realistic thought that, you know, the governments will pay for building colonies on Mars or having thousands of people on moon and things like that. It will only happen if you get commercial interests out of it. True, defense, there, there are uh, some idealists, and I would say that I mean, uh, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are that when it comes to, to, to space, but there are so much happening in the commercial sense, even for human spaceflight, where uh, the kind of lowest hanging fruit is clearly space tourism. But the next step is to have uh, stations around uh, the earth where you can do work, maybe it's, uh, some companies want to have their engineers go there and figure out new ways to produce material and pr produce things, for example, as an example. Mm. So it's just starting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a comment on that as well, and I think that's what's so inspiring uh, for me when uh, coming into the space sector as a student, now 20 years back, <laughs> so it's been a while for me as well now. Uh, it was the fantastic cooperation that we see in space sector. That was really what inspired me to continue working and, and starting my own company um, to be part of this exciting journey and working with all these people. So I think that's something also, we talk about space technologies, but I'm also thinking about all the values that the space sector creates by really addressing these extremely complex uh, challenges. And I mean, now we have the complex challenges on our Earth. And I think also we should learn more about how the space sector works around global cooperation and in complex projects in interdisciplinary, interdisciplinary international co-creation. Co so I think this is something that I will really also address uh, in, in the future, how we can learn from space sector, not only when it comes to space technologies, but also this more, so to say, soft values or leadership, I mean, more bold leadership that we need to see for addressing Agenda 2030. Right. Uh, Christian, you mentioned uh, Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk as being idealists, uh, these two uh, uh, entrepreneurs. But do we need idealism to go into space? Is no, I don't think we need it, but it helps. And I mean, uh, Elon Musk, I think he has had it from uh, the beginning. I mean, he wanna, he's convinced that we need to be able to live on Mars. And then he started the Tesla because he was convinced that that's the way we can get rid of the greenhouse gases. Jeff Bezos, I don't think he was an idealist when it came to starting Amazon, but the amount of money he's putting into Blue Origin, his space company, a billion dollars per year of his own earnings since uh, over 20 years. That's not because he thinks he can kind of gain those money back before he dies of it. But it's because he says that I could make my fortune out of an uh, in, uh, 
infrastructure which was here on Earth, the Internet. I want to create the same possibilities for new entrepreneurs in the future by providing infrastructure and space which they can utilize. It's already there. And then they will find new ways to make new uh, kind of business. Matthias, you have a comment? Yeah, so uh, when uh, Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos went to space uh, a couple of months ago, uh, just a few days between them, uh, sadly the focus was, of course, on uh, all the money they have, that billionaires are going to space. But that's not something new. Billionaires have been going to space for 20 years now. Uh, the, the, thing, the real thing that is happening is that the vehicles, they've, uh, uh, the spaceships they've built, uh, the rockets they've built, uh, it's not just for millionaire, uh, millionaires or billionaires. Uh, it's, for, it's opening up space for a lot, of, lot more people than that. It's still going to be expensive uh, to buy a ticket on uh, Virgin Galactic or, or Blue Origin, absolutely, for a while. Uh, but you know, uh, if, you, if, you saw the, if you've seen the movie Wall Street, when Michael Douglas walks around with this huge cell phone uh, on, on the beach, they're talking, uh, you know, uh, money never sleeps, pal, uh, you know. That, and, and we laughed at that, and that cost you know, several thousand dollars, this huge uh, brick of a phone. Um, now we all have supercomputers in our, in our pockets, the phones we have today. So this is what's happening with, with rockets now. Uh, the billionaires have built the vehicles to take sort of the rest of us to space. Right. And I think pop culture is always good, good analogies in, in this regard. Uh, on that, I'm just curious, do you have any favorite space movie? Oh, yeah, space balls. <laughs> <laughs> Keep firing, assholes. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's wonderful. But we've to be, the, the topic here is about how we can find the technologies in space and use them here on Earth. And, you know, if you go on NASA's website, there are all kinds of examples, the air purifiers, even cordless power tools. People, you know, can trace back to space. Obviously, GPS is, is uh, one of the most important ones. Do you guys have a favorite? I'm going to ask all the three of you. Your favorite technology that you use in your daily life that, that stems from, from space? Hmm. <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of the kind of miniaturization of electronics and, and to actually build computers were small enough to fit on Apollo was pushed very hard by, by NASA. Uh, without satellite navigation, I would be lost a lot of the time, so I'm very <laughs> thankful. I use it every day. <laughs> so what should I pick? Uh, freeze-dried uh, food? <laughs> <laughs> you eat that every day? <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, not that, it's not that terrible. <laughs> it, it's a good one. It's a good one. But the, 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 sort of the, the theme that you were into, uh, Matthias, on how sort of technologies evolve exponentially, I think it's interesting. And... and um, where do we see space tourism? I mean, I'm sure today it is super expensive to go up. Do we think, you know, everyday man can do this and, and how close is it? Uh... Absolutely. And we're, we're actually, uh, WARP is, is having, and we're starting tomorrow with the WARP day and then we have four other um, events here during the space week. And on one of those days, we're going to talk about uh, the future of, of, of private space flight. So there's actually a um, um, uh, calculation you can do, uh, especially if you're related to Starship uh, or something um, similar to, to Starship, what SpaceX is developing, where you have full reusability uh, of that. And if you use it often, if you, if you reuse the same rocket many hundreds or even thousands of times, the cost will go down uh, so much that 
you know, in maybe 10 years or 15 years or something like that, um, it would be uh, around maybe $20,000 to, to buy a trip to space. And $20,000, wow, that's a lot of money. I, I can't spend it. But most people can save um, $150, $200 a month if they want something uh, really badly. Um, so if you start saving today, uh, you could uh, uh, hopefully go to space in 10 or 15 years. Have you started saving? Yes. <laughs> I expect Cecilia? To, yeah, I expect to be invited. <laughs> Absolutely. You can have a joint Christ, account. Christy, would you go back? <laughs> oh, yes. But I wouldn't pay... Uh, not a lot, at least, <laughs> since I had the chance. So we have two VIPs but expecting an invitation, but Matthias, maybe Matthias okay, and I have to, to, have to save. My, my savings, yeah. So uh, we are here in Dubai, Expo 2020, in the sustainability uh, arena. And, um, and I know this is uh, a topic that's close to heart to the Swedish participation. It's also the theme of the Space Week, in a way. And, and I wanted to get back to, to that topic with you, Cecilia. Uh, also, kind of asking the question from someone outside who's maybe not in the know, how do you connect space with sustainability? It, it, you know, you have to use a lot of energy to go up into space. Uh, uh, wh wh where do you start explaining that? I mean, what we, what we have seen over the years, I mean, now I've been working 20 years in the space sector, and uh, initially with the vehicle interior design, that was when I met Christer Fuglesang first time at NASA Houston Johnson Space Center as a student. So I really recommend all students or everyone to, <laughs> to try that for a period because that changed my life uh, at least. Um, and, and working with the, you and all the other astronauts and all fantastic uh, people was so amazing. And learning so much things. And I realized after a couple of years working in this sector that there are so much actually that already is existing materials, technology, knowledge that I really wanted to make sure that it come now down to earth and contribute to our planet. So that's why we have been working continuously on this to see how uh, we can, I mean, more create this understanding that all technologies are already there, so developed by the space sector. So now the mission is to really see how can we make sure that it's accelerated and into use in new innovations for, for our society and our planet. And it's also, it's, it's not, as I said, only about the technologies, it's also the mindset and creativity that we need to take care of as human beings because the technology is already existing. So that's more the challenge we see. Uh, how can we make people more creative and, and use what we actually have already? And when people talk about circular economy, I thought this is what we have been doing for all time in, in the space sector because it's, I mean, we can't have waste. I mean, we, we call everything as resources up in the space station or in future habitation uh, on Moon and Mars. So this is what we really want to implement in, in our everyday life and see, I mean, what, for example, is a washing machine in, in, in space? We had a, a project with a company and, and I told them, what if I say that in, in the future, uh, washing machines will only be like a plastic bag. We put in the uh, clothes here with some bacteria, we close it, and in 24 hours we have clean clothes. And then you could see from this... Um, uh, company that is really started to think, ah, so that could be a washing machine, okay, how much material is being used, almost nothing, how many of these washing machines can be transported on, on, a, on a truck, etc., so, and how much water is used, nothing. So, I mean, it really changed the perspective of what is 
a product. So if we bring in this, uh, this uh, way of thinking, I used to call it weightless thinking, into the innovation process, we really can make big changes. And it's needed to be made very, very fast now as the Agenda 2030 is approaching, the year 2030 is approaching extremely quickly. I, I, I think one has realized that, I mean, Say, oh, it costs a lot of things, census spend. But no, we, we have been learning by investing in research that we can utilize space in a much cheaper way than we do it on Earth. Just as I mentioned during my talk, I think that, you know, if you have a network of uh, 10,000 satellites in space, you can provide really high uh, bandwidth uh, internet connection to everyone anywhere on the Earth. Well, imagine what that would cost if you would try to get optical links to every computer everywhere on the Earth. I mean, it costs less. And the, the same with the navigation things. So, yeah, it costs a bit in the beginning, but then you figure out, well, this is the cheapest way we can do things. And to kind of, uh, you say, yeah, we have to be imaginative and fancy. It's been thinking that for a long time, well, maybe you can have huge solar um, arrays in space, collect the sun energy and transform it to microwaves and send it down, and you get kind of free uh, energy, more or less. But then people are thinking, oh, no, it costs too much to send these things up to space. Well, with the new uh, rockets, it costs much less to send a kilogram to space. So it might become uh, the cheapest way to get energy, and very clean, right? And we're running out of uh, resources, like rare earth uh, elements and things like that, well, you have all these asteroids up there. Sure, you cannot get them today, but with a recent amount of uh, development and testing in 20 years, you can get it from space here. So we are not limited to the resources on Earth. We can get from space. Wonderful. I'm, I'm curious, maybe this, there's no answer to this question, but are there ways to calculate what you get back, you know, because of all these investments, uh, of, all the, of all the money we put into space? How do we measure how we get it back? It's an open question to the panel here. Well, Cici, you, you, you have been studying this. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it always, of course, depends who you ask. But uh, we have seen a calculation that for every, uh, every invested euro into the space uh, sector, it comes uh, for the space research, it comes back times 20 to the society. So that is, uh, and I think we can accelerate it even more because the space technologies are not used as much as they should be used. So, I, maybe I've heard numbers which are maybe not that high, but certainly yeah. four, five, seven, whatever. Mm -hmm. And this is a message which I think we like to send to governments. Mm. I mean. Uh, you, yeah. you, you, by investing into space uh, development, space uh, research, uh, and uh, y it kind of creates a lot more for society than what you put in. There's few areas you probably get as high kind of multiplication factor yeah. back. Sure. And uh, uh, Matthias, when you are studying this, and especially from a private perspective, if you're a private sector, you need, you, you know, you need money back on, on your investments, right? Is it easy to motivate, do you think? I think it's becoming uh, easier and easier uh, when they see um, business models emerging now. Uh, satellite internet is one of, of, one of them uh, that's going to make uh, 
SpaceX and the other reactors billions and billions of dollars, and others going to see that, that wow, uh, you can actually do, you can have uh, business in, in, in space. And we see a lot of startups using satellite data that is al already available, or it could be that they send up their own satellites and um, uh, use um, uh, uh, AI directly in the satellites, analyzing data coming from Earth. Um, it is another Swedish um, uh, space um, uh, a startup, Pandion AI, is going to do that. So they're going to do the analyzing directly in the satellites and just send down the results. So you don't have to send first send all the data down and then you have to analyze it. You do that up in, in the satellite. And, uh, and others will see that and say, oh, they do that for, for that. We can use the same kind of data for this. And, you know, um, and, and suddenly we have many, 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 many different kind of business models. Just uh, before we wrap up here, uh, anything else? What are you most excited about right now in the in the in the space space, so to speak? Matthias, anything you want to add before we wrap up? Yeah, I, I, for me, it's uh, very much about the future of, of humanity. Uh, we can do this all these kind of calculations. What, what what is it worth and, and all that? But even if those numbers came out sort of in the wrong end, uh, some some you know said, yeah, we're losing money doing this. Um, I I wouldn't believe that because this is the future of humanity. If we stop dreaming, stop inventing, stop moving forward, then. Humanity is threatened. If we if we keep moving forward, uh, there's no doomsday uh, in the future scenario for uh, for humanity. And and the big thing that the big change that is is happening now is that everyone can be involved, and that is so uh, incredibly inspiring for me. Wonderful. Thank you for that, Krista. You've been up here on stage now for almost an hour. I'm I'm uh, really uh, impressed by your uh, perseverance here in the heat. Uh, any parting words before we wrap up this panel? First of all, I want to tag on what Matthias just said, the inspiration. You can never overestimate the importance of the inspiration, which I think space is giving. And I meet a lot of young people, and it's so rewarding. But what excites me most now is probably yeah, well, the vision, but what kind of opens up the vision to come true, to go to other worlds, that is the new rockets. It makes it so much cheaper to send things to space. All the way from what you will soon hear next speakers to what uh, Elon Musk and SpaceX is doing right now. Getting the price down, sending things up, and many possibilities of sending things up, and we will just kind of explode this uh, space uh, utilization. Wonderful. So a case for innovation and a case for inspiration. I think that's the perfect setup to our next uh, couple of speakers who's going to talk about going to Mars. Super excited about that. But uh, until then, thank you so much, Cecilia, Matthias, and Christopher for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olson. This show was edited by Eric Sedin. If you liked what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement. Thank you.